Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Let's play two. And welcome to another edition of the Cubs Talk Podcast. Layla Rahimi, happy to be joined by James Nouveau, also of NBC Chicago. He is on our digital team, also Moonlights, cheats on us with the Blackhawks Talk Podcast because he has many talents. Hi, James. And then also one of our great producers at NBC Sports Chicago, Nate Poppin, who is not wearing an Obvious Shirts 120 hat oh. today. We'll, we'll, oh, there it is. There it is, the obvious shirts, one twenty start time T-shirt instead. I just wore Mix black. It, it was going to be raining forever on the day that we taped this. So you know what day that is. I hope everybody's inside and staying dry currently. Or maybe you're in Arizona enjoying the sunshine. But either way, we are happy you are here. And we want to check in as we continue the spring training. I don't want to call it grind. I just want to call it like information gathering, hearing from people, seeing who feels like talking to reporters, who's available, that type of thing. And we get some interesting news out of the Cubs beat writing pool, guys, regarding the big picture from Tom Ricketts. Megan Montemoro touches on it, the great Chicago Tribune writer, along with Sahad Sharma. And it's Ricketts talking about how they view the team regarding the CBT, competitive balance tax. Get used to hearing that a lot. It's something that Ricketts discussed with me as well when I sat down with him at Cubs convention. And then also how they feel like their wiggle room is going to be. And that was discussed as far as evaluating the team's first half performance. Megan has some interesting information here saying the Cubs competitive balance tax payroll sits at $225 million with camp underway. That's ninth highest in the majors, hovering just below the $233 million threshold for 2023. Since 2012, the Cubs have ranked in the top five in CBT spending four times. Can you guess the four? <laughs> I'm going to guess between 2015 and 2018. Ooh, close. Nate. Uh, 2019 is one of them, I believe. Yes. Yep, what yep. are the other three? It has to just be their 2020 window, y'all. Yes, 2020. What? What? I, <laughs> yes, I don't know. Losses. Plot that's, twist. That's that you Darvish contract, y'all. Yeah. yeah. That that's would, that and that would Hayward also contract. be the, the Chris Bryant uh, arbitration as well. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure Javi Baez. So, yeah, I guess that would make sense. The other two years are 2016, not 2017, and 2019. So it's 16, 18, 19, and 20 according to Montemoreau. And then they were outside the top 10 five times. And I think this is notable as well. Obviously, one of those years they were outside the top 10 is last year, 2022. It was the year before that, 2021. And yeah. you have to go back to 12, 13, and 14. So that makes sense. Mm. And it said that the team 
team's first half performance will dictate whether the Cubs utilize their current wiggle room under that CBT threshold. And you know what that sounds like to me, guys? Sounds like a lot of what we heard Jed Hoyer say about when the team lost 10 games in a row previously as to whether or not they were going to keep certain players or trade them in that 2021 season. And then also we saw a little bit of that last year as well. I think it was more cut and dried as to what they were doing last year. But the year before being contingent upon whether or not they were still winning at the time where they could start trading players. What are your thoughts? I want to start with you, James. I mean, my thoughts are it's probably pretty standard practice at this point. You don't want to be exceeding the luxury tax threshold if your team isn't competitive. And I think we've spoken at length about how there are some obstacles to that happening this season. It's not like it's a foregone conclusion that the Cubs are going to be in the playoff hunts. I know they've made a lot of really smart moves that are going to potentially pay some dividends in the next few years. But when you look at the roster that they have constructed right now, it's definitely it has a little bit of feel to me, like almost like a placeholder roster, especially when you consider guys like Cody Bellinger and Eric Cosmer. I feel like they're, of course, keeping spots warm as guys make their way up through the minors and into the big leagues. And I think that the Cubs could conceivably add to that group if they do find themselves competitive this season. You never quite know how the Milwaukee Brewers are going to, uh, you know, factor into all of this. I know that they were competitive last year. They had, you know, some, they're having some drama up there in Milwaukee uh, this year. But when you look at the NL West and the NL East and how stacked those divisions are, and the fact the Cardinals are definitely outpacing the Cubs, I think there's definitely obstacles to them competing this year. And I think that, you know, Ricketts is well within his rights to keep the team below that CBT this year. And then perhaps in the off season, when you have some free agents starting to hit the market, if you want to extend an eco Horner or an Ian Happ, I think that you revisit that conversation because I think you can take a bigger step towards competitive relevance next season. So I think this jibes exactly with the way the Cubs are constructed this year. And I, I think I'm, I'm glad to have not seen much in the way of criticism of Tom Ricketts for wanting to stay below that threshold right now, because I think from a financial perspective, it honestly does make a lot of sense. So he's not going to catch much heat from me just because I think that's exactly how this team is constructed right now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I will point out though, that, you know, the, the two teams that are expected to finish above them, the the Brewers and the, and the Cardinals are having uh TV rights issues right now and not getting mm-hmm. the full checks that they had assumed they were going to get that could impact, you know, what those teams decide to add or subtract at the deadline, uh, especially the Brewers. I mean, the Cardinals routinely, I, I, I did some homework and uh, even since the mid nineties, they're, they're routinely a couple spots above the Cubs in, in terms of payroll. Um, and you know, they still get the, the small market, uh, <laughs> no, the competitive balance, competitive picks. balance Let's not picks talk too. About that, yeah. So that's kind of ridiculous. Um, but yeah, like it, it doesn't make sense for them to go, to go above, you know, the, the luxury tax threshold and especially doing, you know, what, so we go back to 21 is fifth, their 15th, 2022, their 12th this year, ninth, you know, it's for, it, it's understandable that maybe in the next like three years, they jump back up in the top five or into the top 10 again, you know, when, maybe when that window opens up a little bit more and guys like Alcantara and PCA and Brandon Davis are maybe patrolling the outfield. Um, and then you go out and add a guy, not Machado specifically, but a guy like that. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, from from the Ricketts perspective, like if you if you look at historically what they've done over the last because they've owned the team since October 2009. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's this is this is going to be their 14th season owning the team. Uh, they average about like top 10 in salary in baseball, nine, 9.7. Um, the previous 14 years before that, uh, Cubs fans might be surprised to learn that they were about 10th in those previous 14 years from 96 to 2009. I am surprised. So, I mean, you would kind of assume that you had the, the TD Ameritrade Ricketts family come in and say, hey, this is a new new regime and we're changing things and things have kind of stayed the same as far as like the average, you know, money spent per year. Um, yeah. I don't know what that says, but it's kind of, it was kind of interesting for through my research. I will say the one thing I would keep in mind here too, is that I think there is a valid criticism to offer at least a discussion that can be had about whether a big market team like the Cubs should be routinely kind of tearing down and rebuilding like this. I think that the attitude needs to be that this is a bigger market team. I think with the more solid TV deal, I think that's a fair criticism. And then to address the 15th salary in the league, there is never a planet on which the Cubs should be that low on that list based on all of the advantages that they have in terms of fandom and the area around Wrigley Field and all of that. I know biblical losses, blah, blah, blah. I think that if you're going to have a critique of Tom Ricketts and kind of the approach that the Cubs have taken, I do think that is one area that you can potentially have that conversation. They said they're in a better place, and I find this all very interesting. In fact, I asked Tom Ricketts himself about that term exactly, biblical losses, when I saw him at Cubs convention. And he said they're in a better place. So therefore, we get to discuss it like they are. And you're right. They should never be 15th. And frankly, Rob Manford comes out publicly when he's talking about the rights concerns with Bally and Sinclair and says that he's not sure how the Padres are doing something sustainable. And I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. who are you working for? Yeah. Okay. So let's You're supposed explain, to be representing explain, ownership. And here you are calling out a team yeah. for spending money to try to compete with the Dodgers, who, by the way, I think have the model. They have the model when it comes to knowing how to constantly rebuild, to like have the farm system in place where you're developing consistent talent and not just one side of the ball. They're not just developing position player talent. They're also developing pitching talent. And then they're able to have tradable prospects. And it's them and it's the Astros. Mookie bats. Yeah. I, and I want to pay those big contracts. Unlike yeah. the Astros. Yeah. And right. to piggyback off of that a little bit, Manfred and the, you know, the potential to form a committee to look into the spending of the Padres and the Mets. Why on earth is that something that requires, you know, an inquiry when there isn't an inquiry into teams like the Pirates having like payrolls of like, you know, $40 million some season. I feel like that to me is a bigger threat to the health of baseball than a team like the Padres or the Mets spending big in free agency. And yet, here we are. You have owners potentially getting, you know, put under the microscope for shelling out those big money deals. That was one of the most laughable headlines. And when you've lost Buster Olney, who kind of excoriated Rob Manford for that, when he loses him, you're heading down the wrong track there, Robbie boy. That's all I'm going to say. Guy yeah, referred and- to the World Series trophy as a piece of metal. And 
<laughs> man, if he doesn't make decisions and say oh. things that proves how he feels about baseball on a regular basis, what were you going to say, Nate? Yo, uh, the the Manfred, you know, bringing up, looking into what the Padres and Mets are doing. I mean, you gotta you gotta think that maybe he's getting his arm twisted by a, a group of other owners in that situation. Uh-huh. I mean, that's exactly what that is. Oh, I bet I know one of those owners. Yeah, and I, I know one say. too. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that just doesn't that just doesn't seem like something that would be top of mind for a guy that is trying to grow the game and get more headlines, you know, and yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, so the sub headline on this topic is Rob Manfred, WID. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, you crapping, Rob Manfred. Sorry, I, mean, I know wrong seriously. station. Wrong station. Nah, you know what? Anytime <laughs> we get to call out these things, it's the right station. You've come to the right spot. So that said, let's talk about a guy who's also going to bust some budgets, and he's a San Diego Padre, shall we? But before we do that, we want to let you know big news. NBC Chicago has local news streaming around the clock, literally 24-7. Literally, this isn't one of those lazy uses of the term. That means you can watch or listen to Chicago news on your schedule when it's convenient for you. The channel is called NBC Chicago News. You can find it on Peacock, Samsung, Roku, and Zumo. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Shumo, X-U-M-O. And now you can get... Okay. And now you can get it in one click on NBC Chicago's website and app. It's so easy. I have friends' parents who do it. I have friends who do it. It is that easy. Just click on 24-7 streaming news at the top of NBCChicago.com and the NBC Chicago app. And think of it as your chance to catch up with Chicago. And frankly, people do. So 24-7 streaming news, and you can see it there. There you go. Now There's then. the crossovers that I love as an employee of NBC5. Synergy. Thank you, Layla. Yep. Yeah. It's just really James is going to take over the station by the end of this podcast. Evil and laughter. The Blackhawks talk Mooha, podcast. Mooha. <laughs> so Manny Machado, I don't think it's a surprise that he had a player-friendly contract and he plans on exercising his option. Do you? So, so I, I think this Sorry, is a, he was a bargain then. We talked about it relative to what he would be right now if he were to sign with a team. And it doesn't surprise me as the money gets bigger and more and more teams are willing to give those big contracts that this would be another option for him because he's delivered. He incentivized himself. Mm. Nate, I'm going to let you start since I started on the last one, buddy. And since I interrupted Layla, I'll put myself in the penalty box. I'm mad in general. It's fine. No, it it, <laughs> it totally makes sense because, you know, he he figures, yes, I this is a friendly deal to me, but it could be friendlier next offseason. I mean, obviously, he wants to make as much money as he can to provide generational wealth for his family and, you know, his offspring and yada, yada. Uh, I just I don't see him leaving though i think he winds up back with a team like the padres mm-hmm. uh I, I don't know that you know you you make that commitment when he did a couple off seasons ago and then all of a sudden decide yeah they're adding all this talent around me this is horrible uh <laughs> time for me to go um, Poor listeners are not going to know my whistles today and my <laughs> gestures you're just gonna have to watch it <laughs> No, but but I think it's a I think it's a good sign, and I think it's actually uh, it's something you see a lot of NBA players do, uh, where they they have the you know the option year at the end of a contract, and then you just go, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna hit the open market, and then they wind up 
right back where they were. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what I see happening with Machado. I mean, you know, make a make an offer, Cubs, but uh, I, I I don't know that or think that's going to happen. Wouldn't it be amazing if it did? That would be awesome. Mm. Well, I think it 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 kind of dovetails perfectly into the way this roster is structured. I mean, do they have a ton of options at third base, like kind of floating around the minor leagues right now? No, they really no. don't. I, I all think of that, the options are on the team, and we're going to talk about them all exhaustively until the oh, season begins. You guys have no idea how much Patrick <laughs> Wisdom talk you're going to get. We're just going to shove it even, down your gullets. Even in this podcast, we're going to address a different person, possibly. Darn right. <laughs> um, now that's the tease. I, see. I, I think that the Machado <laughs> angle for the Cubs is, of course, interesting. If he's going to be on the market, I think that's a guy that you look at. He's very well respected in the San Diego clubhouse. I think that would be a really good thing for the Cubs dad. I think they're going to have the money to do it with the Hayward and Hendricks contracts, both potentially coming off the books after this season. That That's going to be big for the Cubs. It'll give them some wiggle room. It also is going to have, you know, guys like PCA, Matt Mervis. You're going to see that, you know, the money start to go down a little bit because those guys are on the more team friendly deals. And I I think that that Machado, he would be kind of the guy you would spend that money on. I think the thing that kind of shocks me more than anything, Nate, I agree with you that I feel like the fit is with San Diego, especially with the money that they've laid out to guys like your Bogarts's, your Juan Soto's, your Fernando Tatis's like that's really that that's the spot he needs to be and that leadership that he's shown in that clubhouse is critical to their success. My big question is if the Padres knew that this was a possibility and that Machado was kind of going back and forth on maybe opting out, why did they only make him essentially one offer before his kind of self-imposed deadline? It seems like if they were really interested in keeping him, why on earth would you not try a little bit harder to show arguably your franchise player that you want to keep him around. I find that approach really odd by the Padres. I'm kind of at a loss to describe it. I think it's just the price of doing business. I think it was the price of doing business at the time when they didn't have the same type of team they have now. And Machado was in a place where the offers he was getting, you remember it was him and Bryce Harper, were a little more player friendly. Like Bryce Harper wanted years on that contract. He got it in Philly. He didn't care as much about the AAV. Machado was like, no, I want the AAV. So both parties, I feel like were satisfied. So you also saw contracts after that really kind of, uh, you know, in true, true, I feel like oligopoly form when one goes, the others will. You saw their contracts start to echo that, like Carlos Correa, for example. And then what happens with Correa? Ultimately, he stays with the twins. So wow. I, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, that, that injury that they were concerned about, both the Giants and the Mets, has never affected him. And they think, so there's, there's that part of it. He's never been on the injured reserve for any sort of or injured list for that ankle injury. Right. It's always been the as back. long as yeah. he's been right. in the big leagues. So keep that in mind. And it wasn't even something I heard about at the time when I was covering him pretty intently in Houston, because we weren't exactly paying all of the attention to the 100 lost teams at the major league level at the time. So I'm not trying to cape for anybody, mm-hmm. but I do think it's worth pointing out in these situations. I think a lot of times they may those contracts may look only player friendly, but I think you're right, James and Nate. They they can be team friendly at times. I just think 
when you consider what the Padres have put together and the intent, quite seriously, enough to upset the commissioner in baseball, mm-hmm. that they want to have a competing team, that it's, it's worth making note. I, I guess the big question, too, aside from the Padres kind of motivations and this whole thing and them not kind of taking the seemingly not taking that opt out threat seriously is how much of an improvement in a deal does Manny Machado think that he's going to get? He's going to be, I believe, 31 years old after this upcoming season. And as we've seen, baseball teams don't tend to give out massive contracts to guys who are getting to that age anymore. I think that Aaron Judge is a little bit of an outlier in that regard. I saw a great article today in Fangraphs that not only pointed out that was Aaron Judge the only player of that age to get a deal over $100 million in this last offseason, there's a reasonable expectation that Manny Machado's production is going to start to decline at a fairly decent rate and that the stats that he put up last season, which were kind of career highs, there it's very unlikely he's ever going to hit those heights again. And so it almost seems like it may not be in his best interest to opt out and assume that he's going to get you know a bunch more money somewhere else. There may not be as massive of a market for Manny Machado as he might think based on kind of past performance and the way teams have given out money. I'm wondering if maybe there's a little bit of a miscalculation on his part, too. And between that and, you know, wanting to potentially leave the Padres, who have kind of built this great thing out there in San Diego. There's a lot of questions that are not to be answered on all sides of this. It's a really interesting dilemma. Padres have kind of set the tone, though, because you Darvish is under contract now through his, what, age 42 season. So that that lets you know where they stand. I think this is fair for both parties. This is mm. what you negotiated. If you want to test that market, great. And if it's not what you think it is, I don't think there's going to be a lot of hurt feelings because this was all expected. Mm. Unlike, say, other teams where they thought they were signing Manny Machado and that wasn't exactly the case. Now, here's another name that is that is out there, and it's it's to me the name, it's the name that matters, Shohei Otani. And the news coming out that his agent has been coy about his client's contract status, but said on Monday that Otani will probably explore free agency, even if that means he might go right back to the Angels. To me, this is the half a billion dollar man, correct? Mm. And the market that he commands not only for any team he's on, but also the international draw that he has is something that I don't think we can put into a figure that even is fathomable yet based on what he could potentially do both as a pitcher and a hitter this season. Nate, any thoughts? I know I yeah. see you nodding and I'm like, okay, I'm taking the nod. Nate is the guy to go to here. No Sorry. Rest. Yeah. So, I mean, Otani's the dream, right? I mean, Every team, he should be every, every team's, team's every team's dream should Pirates, be. Pirates, I want you to dream about Shohei exactly. Otani. Well, exactly. not for the Cubs, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. No, and you know it makes it makes perfect sense that he would want to explore free agency and get out of whatever that Angels situation is, because at one moment they're for sale, and then they're not for sale. Then we pulled back, and then we're doing this, and yada yada. Uh, what what I think. Kind of prices him out of most people's markets, though, is the fact that you're hearing this $500 million, you know, uh, figure dangling over his uh, his his head, and that puts him in the situation where it's Dodgers, Mets, not very many other teams, frankly, like 
the Yankees haven't even been, you know, other than other than Judge uh, going in those swimming in those waters recently. So Phillies potentially. Potentially, yes. I mean, but they but they just spent like they have so, mil. They yeah. have so much. They, mm-hmm. they, they have just, a two hundred man roster. Mil. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm convinced. Uh, I think they'd like to. 300 man roster. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, it, it's great to hear that, you know, uh, Shohei, uh, Shohei is being uh, wooed by uh, Seiya Suzuki and he's going to talk to him at the uh, WBC and that would be tremendous news. Um, but we've, we've been down this road as Cub fans before where people were, you know, starting uh, uh, campaigns for, you know, Shohei Otani when he was first available and first posted, you know, Shohei the money, all that. Uh, that Shout out up, to John Graff. That, that, there you go. Hat tip. Uh, but, you know, that came up short. Apparently they were, you know, one of the final teams uh, in that original bidding. But we obviously know that that didn't happen. And I I don't know that like that that is going to be more than just a text or a phone call from jed hoyer to tom ricketts that's going to be hey uh you know come and come to my lake house for the the weekend or whatever and <laughs> uh because that that that's going to be a long conversation to try to get you know somebody to sign off on on bringing a, a guy like shohei into the fold that's what was all that what a, a million talk right <laughs> <laughs> See, okay, so now now that we've kind of like laid out this uh, case of Otani potentially having like a market setting type deal, I mean, you can only sign him to a deal like that if you're assuming he's going to pitch and play outfield all 10 years or whatever it is of that contract, right? Like you can't possibly hand that dude half a billion dollars if there's even a smidgen of a chance that you're going to take one of those things away because if you do, his value... straight down to me like yeah he's still gonna be worth a ton he's still a great player of course whether he's a pitcher or whether he's an outfielder but it's the fact that those two things are combined that makes him worth anything in the first place and so i'm wondering even a team like the dodgers even a team like the mets who by the way still have a ton of financial you know stuff locked up for a long time they have really handed out a lot of long-term contracts they're going to put them well over you know the luxury tax and i know steve cohen's got the deep pockets but that luxury tax gets real punitive after a couple of years of being over it so and draft not, picks too now right with the cba there's so much yeah there's so much that goes into that and i think that you know with that market potentially being a little bit dried up because of all of that Maybe we don't see him make half a billion dollars. Maybe we see, yeah, he's still going to make a boatload of money. I mean, heck, Bryce Harper got, what, $330 million from the Phillies for 13 years? Wouldn't shock me if Otani got that kind of scratch for 10. Maybe a little bit more it takes it to get it done. I mean, yeah, he is a generate once-in-a-generation type player based on the multiple things that he does. Take one of those away, though. it's hard to justify giving him, you know, that kind of money. So I I think it's possible that he makes that much, but I think the real number is going to end up well under that. And that maybe brings the team like the Cubs back into the fold. And I think with that owner ownership situation in LA that you alluded to, Nate, I think that's prime pickings for a team like the Cubs. If they want to really make a splash in the coming off season, I think they have to be right there in the bidding for a guy like that. 
No, I totally agree. And I, I just, I just don't see him being an angel, you know, beyond the, the current deal. I, I, like you said, with the, with the ownership situation is being what it is there. There's just a, almost a 0% chance of that happening in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I think a team will sign him because I think when it comes to the upper, upper, upper echelon of the teams that are really in that competitive moment, that emotion is going to also drive the, the theory. But you're seeing teams say, we don't care about the last years of these contracts. We're paying for the, for the first few. You know, we're paying for our window. Mm-hmm. And so you can't argue with Otani's production. What he did last season... It, it it boggles my mind and will continue to do so because it's unreal. It's superhuman. So if there was ever a person to make it, it it's going to be him. It's just a matter of who wants to pony up and how. And maybe then we'll get the commissioner asking if that I do, contract was, was worth it or something. I, I do have to point out to you guys where the Los Angeles Dodgers rank in terms of current salary outlay for the 2024 season. Anybody want to take a guess where they're at ranked in the league right now? 15th. They are currently 16th. Just they have $102 million in contracts currently for the 2024 season. That puts them right behind the Seattle Mariners and the Colorado Rockies. How about that for weirdness? By the way, Chicago White Sox currently sixth on that list for 2024 payroll. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that. I think that makes sense because of how many one and two year deals the Cubs have signed on people. So that that doesn't really surprise me. And it also Uh, makes sense that the White Sox are going to be that high because all of their contracts they signed with your guys like your Jimenez's and your Roberts, they're all going up. All of them. But. But that's just right now. When you consider the money that other teams in those positions are going to actually pay for available players, the reason why the Sox did that was because they had a long-term outlook where they thought that those would be bargains at the end, end of the deal. So I, I think that that's we still don't fully grasp how much the inflation of contracts has gone up in the past couple of years, too. And will that remain to be seen ahead of the news about the Bally Regionals, I will offer this as somebody who uh, has been in a similar situation myself. That is going to take a really long time to figure out. It's not going to be, I don't foresee it being some quick decision. When it goes to the courts and you have assets like that, uh, be prepared for a long, long wait to try to figure out what's going on. Uh, Speaking of guys, the Cubs have signed to deals and our third base what do we want to call it? Third base watch 2023. We need a name for this because we're going to be talking about this a lot. Mm. Hot corner headlines coming at you. Here's another one. Edwin (laughs) Rios is now in the mix. And I believe that is the actual term everybody's using. David Ross saying he's excited to get Edwin Rios left-handed power bat. He is on a one-year contract reportedly. So he's another one where we're trying to figure out how he fits into this team. Is he the Cubs third baseman, James? 
Okay, so it's it's been an interesting process kind of uh, trying to figure out where exactly this guy fits in, right? He's a player that has had a couple of cups of coffee with the Dodgers. He has never had more than 100 plate appearances at the MLB level. I know that a big part of that has been the fact the Dodgers have had some dude named Justin Turner playing third base primarily, and then another dude named Max Muncie who's been playing some third base as well. I think that... There is an argument to be made that, no, he has not gotten an opportunity to really stick at the big league level. However, there might be a little bit of a reason for that, considering how often he does strike out. I know he had some decent power numbers in the minor leagues. He also strikes out a lot. And then we've all talked about how Patrick Wisdom's defense is probably not the prettiest thing we've ever seen. In probably Edwin Rios might be a little bit worse defensively than Patrick Wisdom, too. So this in this edition of the Hot Corner Headlines, we have to bring up the fact that, yes, he, he has not had adequate opportunity to really stick in the Dodgers uh, major league roster. I think there's a chance that he provides some decent pop. I think there's always a chance you could see some improvement defensively for him that we maybe haven't seen just because there's been that inconsistency of where he's been in their lineup and in their system. It's still not like this is the best solution in the entire history of the world. So I think he figures very heavily into those plans. I think there's a better than decent chance. He could end up platooning with Morrell and with Patrick wisdom at third base. Still a lot to be kind of skeptical about with him though. I I'm intrigued just because of, like you said, the power potential, uh, you know, 20 home runs and only 291 career plate appearances is that's pretty, that's pretty damn good. Uh, that's a home run every 14 plate appearances. And for comparison, you know, cherry picking here, I just picked my, <laughs> I just picked one of my favorite former Cubs. Uh, it's currently a, uh, Philly, uh, Kyle Schwarber. I was going to say, did his name rhyme with Miles Schwarber? <laughs> Kyle Schwarber uh, had a home last season, had a uh, home run every 14.54 plate appearances. So, you know, it's a it's a totally very minuscule, small, small, small sample size with Edwin Rios. But when you look at the career uh, OPS plus of 109 in those in those limited, you know, availabilities uh, with the Dodgers, you know, take a flyer on him. there's there's probably a reason why the Dodgers let him go though for pretty much nothing or nothing um and they're not usually wrong when they move on from players um, why are you saying this when Cody Bellinger is in center field for the Cubs right, you that too. what's wrong with or when they signed Jason Hayward to a minor league deal <laughs> <laughs> By the yeah. way, his swing looks exactly the same. I don't care what he says. I'm just going to throw that out there. Like, you can tell me all you want. Like, oh, we made some adjust. Did he? Did he? Oh, we could go back to uh, 2015, like 2016. We spent an entire uh, spring training breaking down his swing here back in 2015 and 2016. Those were fun times. And there that wasn't we- much difference. Oh, that we did. Days. There was some Zapruder. There was a lot of re- there was a lot of reaching going on back then. Oh, yeah, you know yeah. what though? He handled all of everything. Oh, he's class act. Yeah. such yeah. it wasn't yeah. just class. Like look Grace. what he's doing for the community right now here mm-hmm. in yeah. Chicago. 
So you won't see me. You won't see me disrespect that man. No, listen. No, no. Oh, you're. Are you accusing me of disrespecting Jason Award? I'll just be silly. No, here, I, I know. I know the texts I get on six seventy. The score. I know how people talk about him on social media. Oh yeah. But but I also had to point it out when we were talking about the Dodgers' decisions on I'm personnel. Just I'm just teasing him. That's all. But we're, uh, we're, we're all being a bit tongue in cheek. But with but with the Rio signing, I mean, this has to drop. Uh, you know, Nick Madrigal out of the running for third base, I would assume. Oh, so right? you uh, think. So you would think. That would be four people. It's merely going to inspire him to greatness, Nate. That's, that's all that's, that's going to happen here. Let's not address that until it's further addressed or until we need a topic idea for later. Y'all, Saturday's the first spring training game. We oh, are it almost, is. We're almost past the let's talk about Nick Madrigal and third base talk. Let's talk about actual games on an actual field. You act like we're not going to be speculating like this the entire season. The Cubs also have a 300-man roster, it seems, and there's four different positions or people at every different position on the diamond. I'm like, how many? Only up the middle are they not platooning, right? So consider that. I I will say they don't have 300 options in right field. That's the only only qualifier I'll put on that. But they still might be creative. With yeah. with past history of, of players that they have and where they've played around the diamond. So we're going to be talking about this, is my point. So all what right, I just heard you right. say is Nick Madrigal and right field. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry to everybody that I just chucked my microphone when Layla said that. Artificial intelligence is going to grab this and be like, Layla Rahimi, Nick Madrigal to play right field. This is no, like the complete no. opposite chat G. PT thing. It's good. It would reject it for being outlandish. <laughs> well, what were his numbers in 2019? Get lost. You know? Out. <laughs> Out, I say. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is uh, I feel like that's a good place to end this edition of the Thank Cubs God. Talk Podcast. <laughs> this has been quite the Odyssey. Join us next week when I think Nick Madrigal will be the Cubs' fourth starting pitcher. <laughs> I'm not, this is not personal, Nick. It is just the nature of the talk beast. Uh, I, I am curious to see what happens to him. I'm, I'm not sorry. It's, it's just, that's how it I is. W- I want him to be an asset. So there we go. We, we've committed to this, whether or not we like it. So we are excited to see what happens. We have actual baseball kind of to talk about next time. And we thank you for joining us for this one. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.